Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I am your host, Phil Liskove, and with us today is Katie Donahue, feature executive and friend to all, and maybe most importantly, uh, the biggest SVU fan I know. So she's Thank here you. to talk to us about uh, an enormous television show that, quite frankly, I don't know a ton about. So I'm thrilled to have somebody on here to talk with me about it. Um, we're going to talk today about uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Um, this was a show that it, so it premiered in 1999. It was a big deal in 99. Did you watch it in 99, Katie? Or was this a show that you came to a little later? I was seven. So no, I Listen, didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I don't know what you were up to when you were seven. <laughs> I did. I My older brother, I do have a very specific memory of my brother watching it. And um, I don't know what episode it was, but um, someone opened a barn and there was a body. And I was like, I was like eight. And I was just like, very calmly, like, this is not appropriate. <laughs> and I didn't watch it for a very long time. And then in high school, I started watching again. And then during the pandemic, I watched, I've seen every episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. So all uh, 481 episodes. Oh, my um... God. That's so sad. They're all 40 <laughs> minutes long. <laughs> Think about how much of your life you've spent <laughs> like, with so Olivia much. Benson. <laughs> Like a lot. I mean, what a privilege. <laughs> but yeah, the show is really about the arc. I mean, yes, the arc of Olivia Benson, but it's really about the arc of um, Finn Tutuola, 
who is played by Ice-T, he wasn't in the episode, I had you watch, he doesn't join till 2000. But let me tell you, that kid goes on quite the journey in the department. <laughs> Well, we're gonna. I, I want to hear all about that journey. Okay. Uh, but I, but I, I, I want to sort of ask a question. I'm not really sure to ask this, so forgive me if this, if this seems, I don't know, somewhat <clears throat> indelicate. But I feel like this show, women love this show. Like of my of my female friends, it feels like a show that gravitates more that women gravitate maybe possibly more to than men do. Mm. And and I, I think part of that has to do with Olivia's character, and mm-hmm. we'll talk obviously. Um, about her character and her arc and and the the empowerment of her character she felt like she kind of broke the mold of like a female cop on television um, again i'm saying this all kind of out of my ass because i don't know the show as well as you do <laughs> but i i'm speaking really just from i i guess the best way to come at this ultimately is so law and order the original show is on for for many years over and a decade. I've never seen it. I do right. I don't watch that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but that show's on for for many many years. I want to say about a decade or so before yeah. SVU happens. Yeah. And it's a show that was sort of you know had a revolving door of cast. You had people that were leaving all the time. Um it was a show that was sort of bifurcated which was Half of the show was law, half of the show was order, first half of the show follows the cops, and then whatever the crime is follows it into the into the you know justice system. Which is I, I didn't so even clean. know that. That's really nice. That sounds like a <laughs> That is amazing. This is, like, this is gonna be a learning experience for both of us, Katie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think that, you know, it was it was it I still think it's the watermark for procedural television, right? You're not gonna get anything cleaner than the idea of 44 minutes split down the middle, 22-22 of cops and lawyers. Like it's really, really brilliant in that way. Um, I guess what happens just for our audiences to, to have a little bit of, of context, the idea for Special Victims Unit originates in 86 with a quote-unquote preppy murder case of Robert Chambers, who strangled Jennifer Levin, a woman he dated, whom he later killed during what he claimed was a consensual rough sex in Central Park. This crime inspired Dick Wolf to write the story for the season one episode of Law & Order titled Kiss the Girls and Make Them Die. Oof. Uh, Not a great title. Um, I don't get... I mean, there's a real ebb and flow in terms of title quality throughout the series. <laughs> um, even after reading the episode, however, the case continued to haunt Wolf, who wanted to go deeper into the psychology of crimes to examine the role of human sexuality. The original title of this show was Sex Crimes. Mm-hmm. I, can I make a note? Um, later on, when they are on their softball league and everyone has their matching T-shirts, their team is just sex crimes. Like, it's just T-shirts that say sex crimes. <laughs> By the way, can you imagine if you could get one of those shirts with that? I looked into it, (laughs) obviously. Oh, God, that's incredible. Um, So they wanted to name the show Sex Crimes, which reflected the sexual nature of the crimes depicted on the show. Long story short, NBC was like, we don't really want to name a show Sex Crimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) they, They also... They also were concerned about calling it Law and Order colon sex crimes, which it, that it could hurt the original show. Right. So they were just like, can we not do that? So they obviously, they named it Special Victims Unit, which is the actual name of the unit. Um, so yeah, that happens. Um, they were casting this show. Uh-huh. 
Uh, three people were up for the role of Olivia Benson, Samantha Mathis, Rako Aylesworth, and Mariska Haggerty. Um, for Stabler, it was Tim Matheson, John Slattery, and Christopher Maloney. Can you John, imagine John Slattery? Slattery? Can you imagine oh, that? I would, have had, I would have had I would have had the thoughts for him like in the late nineties <laughs> instead of waiting until Mad Men. <laughs> By the way, he probably looked the same in the 90s as he did on Mad Men. Yeah, he's amazing. He is married to George Clooney's first wife. (laughs) Who's that? Which I think says every, I don't know, but someone hot enough to marry George Clooney. (laughs) And now she's married to John Slattery. I think that says everything you need to know about him. He's I I mean, Chris Maloney's great on this show, and obviously this was an iconic (laughs) performance from him, and he's fantastic, and he's returning to the role later this year, next year. Yeah. Um, But... Uh, John Slattery would have been an interesting call. He would have been would, an interesting stabler. They would have gotten six seasons out of him, Max. He would have been like, I'm actually a very talented actor and I have to go. <laughs> and I cannot do 25 of these every year. Like, this yeah. is just not, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously they cast uh, Marushka and, uh, and, and Chris Maloney. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of context for the show. But I, I think that what's interesting about this is I remember when this show premiered. I remember that it was a big deal. I remember that it was the first spinoff of Law & Order. There would be many more, and there will be many more, I assume. Um, but at the time, it felt like sort of this scandalous show. Like, it had, scandalous in the sense that it was about sex crimes. Like, it was about – which, which for NBC – in 99, like, that's a pretty fucking bold thing to do. And I guess my question, this is a long way to say this, but my question is sort of, what drew you to the show? And certainly, what kept you with the show for 481 episodes? <laughs> what drew me to the show? I mean, I I guess my brother watched it, and that made it interesting. But it's also, especially now when I watch it, because I've grown to have a bigger appreciation for it, I'm, like, being very serious. I care <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. I, I think, I think, I mean, in 99 and you can even tell in like, you know, the early episodes of they're kind of explaining constantly, like, this is a sexually based crime. Like marital rape is still rape. Like, you know, they're, they were really kind of fighting against these cultural stereotypes of what, um, sex based crimes, particularly crimes against women look like, um, long before we were talking about Me Too. And I think, like, that it was 1999, it's like, okay, so this was, like, six months after Clinton was impeached. You know, there it's, like, kind of people were thinking about sex in different ways. Um, and so it's kind of, I'm always kind of like, wow, it's pretty radical that NBC was like, sure, let's, like, do a sex crimes thing. And, you know, they get a little, some of the episodes are a little movie of the week. You know, they take on real life, whatever. But some of them are, I, I don't know, even though they do it in the most on-the-nose way, there's something about, uh, I don't know, there's something about, like, Chris Maloney really fucking caring. <laughs> no, for sure, <laughs> like, for <yeah>. sure. <laughs> I think there's also, you know, it, it's funny that you say that. Inter- I, I, I don't know that this show gets made if it's not under the banner of Law & Order. I mean, I don't know that that it, that it, that you know, Law and Order at this point is this, you know, a staple of television that's won numerous Emmys. And, you know, Dick Wolf wants to sort of take a swing and see if there's a way to kind of under the the steam and the kind of headwinds or tailwinds of 
uh, Law and Order to be able to do this. And and mm-hmm. I, I guess I I respect the intentions of the show. Like I think that it is attempting to sort of um, explain and expose to people crimes of this nature, which are very specific and 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 uh, brutal and and terrible. Um, so I, I respect all of that. That being said. I also think that the show can be quite clunky um, and and is not necessarily very subtle in terms of its execution of things. Um, Now, admittedly, I only watched the first two episodes of season one for this episode, for this particular episode of the podcast. I have seen other episodes of the show over the years. Um, I'd say maximum 10 (laughs) max. Okay. That's not even a full season. That's not even. No, no, it's not. But, but here's, here's sort of my bigger question to you. And I think it's, it's interesting that, that, that you haven't watched any, any other iteration of Law and Order, just this one, which would, which, which would lead me to believe that Olivia Benson is what's keeping you around. Probably. I have a real thing for Mariska, for sure. Also, the other ones are not free on Hulu. <laughs> okay. Well, so I mean, at least we have a priority straight. No, I mean, I, 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 I think that... So Mariska <laughs> is an interesting actress um i think she's tremendous in this show um taylor swift would obviously agree since she named her first cat olivia benson so i mean it's, right. it's... <laughs> wow no, i mean we love it was amazing she's not the parameters of my feminism olivia benson is an incredible <laughs> character and she's also jane Mansfield's daughter which is so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. I, I wasn't suggesting, by the way, that Taylor Swift was the watermark for feminism. I was just suggesting that I think it's kind of funny that she named her cat Olivia Benson. Oh, okay. That's that was really Sorry. all I was Dana, Dana Schwartz, our mutual uh, friend. This yeah. is like our biggest grievance is I'm always picking Taylor Swift's feminism apart. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I imagine that's relatively easy to do. We but, can cut I mean, this whole. This is no, not- no, no. I, this is not great. This is gold. We're going to double it. Um, so, <laughs> so the reason that I, I, so Mariska came to my attention in one of my favorite shows, which was ER. Um, she had a had an arc. I think she it was a pretty long arc. I think it was like maybe ten or twelve episodes or something like that. Maybe more. Um, on what show? Sorry, ER. Uh, she was in season four of ER. She had a, a love story with uh, Anthony Edwards' character. Um, anyway, she was great on that show. And I remember thinking like, oh, she's great. And then she kind of disappeared. And then she obviously reappeared on this show and uh, you know etched herself in television history by being one of the longest running characters in the history of the medium. Um, We're always talking about Ellen Pompeo. And like, no. <laughs> <laughs> But the it's irony is cat. that's the name of Taylor Swift's other cat. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So I think that I guess I want to sort of so her character, Olivia's character, was um the result of a rape, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Am I making? Yeah, am I, yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, but that's a huge part of her character. Yeah. Spoiler, yes. Um, yeah. uh, spoiler to the people that I don't know are not going to watch the 481 episodes of this show. That's uh, like a major thing about her is that, like, right. you know, she has a lot of de- self demons because of. But that is sort of tipped in the pilot. Is it? Because I didn't rewatch yeah. the pilot. 
in the pilot, she meets, she has dinner with her mom at the end of the pilot. Right. And her mom says something along the, there, there's something along the lines of, you know, if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't have had you or something like that. Right, like right. They're, they're, they're sort of alluding to, we apparently. In her original character document. They just. 100%. Right. <laughs> 100%. Probably maybe the only thing that was it's in her like her document. only bullet point. And Stabler, like, has four kids and a complicated Stabler's marriage. got a whole complicated marriage, and he's got stuff going on. <laughs> uh, so it is sort of, it, it's, yeah. The mom is never seen again on the show, by the way. He's only seen we in the We talk pilot. about her, again, in her demons. You know, her mom was an alcoholic, um, or, and she deals with, it's how she kind of connects with a lot of different victims and survivors is from her own personal story. <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 if we're being honest, you kind of feel from the jump, right? I mean, I think it's 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 pretty obvious that Olivia has demons, uh, and that it is motivating her through her occupation. She, yeah, she's a single woman who's thrown everything she has into her profession, and like, is she ever going to find love and companionship and feel safe in the world? <laughs> that it's funny to me how hard that question is driven home just throughout the series. Like, do they ever answer years. it? I mean, yeah, later on she adopts a son. She okay. has she has a series of of significant relationships, but I think it's important that she's she's on her own. I mean, she's enough. So Well, I think this this also speaks to something that 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 really hit me watching these two episodes. Yeah. And I know that they in season two they bring in a lawyer character. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go through a couple ADAs. They're right. Cabot, Alex is the, the best by far. Um March, March. I only know if I ever meet any of these people in real life, it's gonna be Um, fantastic. I know. Honestly, even Ice T, I would just be like, Finn, you character, (laughs) you're here. Like, if I saw Munch just walking down the street, I'd lose my mind. I have no idea what that. I just, I just wanted to be said that I am doing what I can through whatever channels I have to try to get some cast members and you're coming back to interview those cast members with me if I'm able to make that happen. That would be huge because I you could get, I won't be able to know shit. I'll just you be could like, get minor ca- There are a few so, actors who have just played different victims and diff- unrelated. You could I, get I, those I, I, would, I would like to get regular them. cast members that actually, but we'll see. <clears throat> okay. Long story short, uh, <clears throat> I hope that someday you get to meet Olivia and just call her Olivia. Like, you get to be Friska and just call her Olivia. It'll be great. Oh my god, I would never. Ms. Hargitay. Ms. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so what I was what I was getting at ultimately a little bit was this idea that the first two seasons of the show, or or it seems like a season or so, there is no legal component to this show. It is straight up the the, the cops. And because of that, you go home with them, which is something you do not do on the original Law and Order. You don't right. really learn about these people's lives. I think ultimately that is to this show's advantage because it allows you to care more about their stories, obviously, um, and be more invested in them. But I guess my question to you is, do you feel like they weaponize that well? Do you feel like when you go home with Stabler or when you go home with Benson, you know, they really give you stuff that, that you, that, that helps the characters that feeds the characters. It's in later seasons the early seasons, they really try to tell you about Stabler's life and he and his wife like separate at some point. They have a surprise baby. That episode is beyond drama. But um, 
after a while, I think they, like I don't care about Stabler's life. I'm interested in Olivia's life. Stabler's life just feels like, oh, it's like the late 90s and we have a male lead. And so this is like, you have to know about his family life too. That's how it feels like to me. Cause they really don't talk that much about Olivia's life other than like, who will ever be there for her? She is alone, which is great. The one thing I really love, and it, it speaks to so many episodes, but in the episode we watched the second episode, so it's like this single woman dies and the whole thing is shrouded in like, it could have been you, Olivia. And it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I mean, it literally opens with a man at a convenience store trying to get her to buy more fruit. She's like, yeah, nope, she goes, just I need one. one. Which is also crazy. Don't buy one. Like you are still alive tomorrow. <laughs> it's They really drive that home. So they do, they kind of back off Stabler's home life. Um, as they allow more time for like the courtroom stuff and they get into like victim stuff. I think they start to ease off. Like you have this, you have the like emotional background of knowing what the deal is. Like, you know, when Stabler's like bitching about Kathy, that something's like going on at home, (laughs) but um, uh, you don't go home as much. The benefit that there's like an outside of work life, but it's also like I'm bored by Stapler's whole situation. <laughs> well, that's the that is see, this is this is the thing that the show kind of tries to grapple with. And I, I again I respect that they try to do it. It's it's a tough nut, it's it's a tough nut to crack sometimes in the sense of being able to kind of like going home with Stabler because his garbage disposal is is broken and, and he murders a turtle and he murders a turtle um, is like okay like uh, cool but what am I getting from this like what are you really bringing to the table with with a show like this it's a little tricky to to do that mm-hmm. um, here's a question okay do Olivia and Elliot ever hook up no no they. <laughs> They are partners. <laughs> I honestly you guys think, can see how emphatic Katie is about this. No, I mean there are a lot. There, there are definitely a few episodes where the writers were like, "Let's leave this door open," you know. Right. But they never hook up. Okay. Uh, Kathy, for the most part, really get really gets their relationship. That's Elliot's wife. Um, I think that Olivia and. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> I, I, I love that you're this invested. That's cool. I think Olivia and Stabler are ultimately excellent partners in life. Okay. You know, okay. and way later, after Stabler leaves, there's an episode. I believe it's when she um, at her son's baptism, Olivia's son's baptism. So this is like 16 years after the episode that you watched. <laughs> That's incredible, by the way, that you can say that. 16 years later. Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's this woman's whole life is what this show is. Um, but she says something, she says something to her current partner along the lines of like, I loved my old partner so much, but there was no room for me to have like a life. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was really interesting. I was really surprised she said it. <laughs> like she- Anyway, um, uh, but so, yes, yeah, so they have like an extreme partnership, but they know smooches, nothing like that. Olivia loves Kathy, cares for their kids. Um, you know, his daughters go through some, you know, tricky times, particularly 
um, Kathleen will troublemaker and Olivia is like right there for her. So, you know, no, to answer your question. That's I, I, the reason I asked the question and I, and I had a feeling that was the answer is also kind of a bold thing. I mean, I think that a lot of other shows would have probably gone there. Um, it's, I mean, I guess it's sort of kind of Mulder and Scully a little bit, although eventually they sort of do hook up, I guess, kind of. I mean, they have a kid, but through weird circumstances. So I don't know that that's really, really It's counts. not a good comp. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's aliens and shit in their show. So like, it's not the best comp, but I, I just think it's interesting that uh, people must have been longing for it. I am sure that there's fanfic written about the two of them. There's no question that there are people that have written stories and concocted things in their heads. And I just like that the show respected that and that they didn't do anything with it. It's kind of great. I'm um, curious. I would like to research yeah. the kind of behind the scenes of that, of like, did so, cause it seems like they would have like conventional television. They would have gotten together. I wonder if there was ever like, you know, Mariska was like, no, they can't get together. Like, I kind of wonder. Well, that, that's a good, I mean, it's very possible that maybe it was put on the table and the actors were like, that's, I don't see the characters doing that. It's possible that, I mean, it, it, but I would also say too, like, despite the fact that this show can be very soapy in its victim stories, mm-hmm. it doesn't really go there with its, with its main cast. But then if you look at like the Chicago series, Chicago Fire, Med, and PD, I think. Anyway. Trash. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that series is also like that's right. that, that, so. This gets later on, again, like 15 years on from where you are in the series. Yes. Um, Olivia, and where I'll remain, by the way. <laughs> Olivia gets kidnapped. Um, oh, shoot. Who's the act? A really fantastic actor. Uh, is it Pablo? Who's Liev Shriver's brother? I think it's Pablo. Okay, yeah. So he is her kidnapper, and there is a series, and that is, like, emotionally really it's about it. gets kidnapped? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> hold on, hold on. Later First on, you just now. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I, I just... <laughs> you just said... You threw that away like it was no big deal. She, is it, like, how long is she kidnapped for? She's kidnapped twice. Twice? <laughs> By the same guy. He, At different times? Yeah, it's like about a year apart. He's got some like legal loopholes that he's taking advantage of to get out of prison. Um, it's extremely stressful. They are really... I just think it's amazing that a police officer is kidnapped not just once, but twice by the same fucking person. I know, and that really messes with her like confidence as an officer. But you know what? The team, the unit gets her out. <laughs> they are bigger than just one piece of the chain. <laughs> you know, I um, might have to watch all the episodes now. This is the problem: is that you're going to get me to like watch 481 episodes of Law and Order SVU. They go through waves of kind of what they are, you know. But all the waves are enjoyable if you just like hang out. If you just ride them, it's fun. Some of them are like genuinely interesting episodes of like procedural television. <laughs> agree that perhaps season one of Law & Order SVU is not its strongest season. No, because in season one, they're still going around like, yeah, rape is a crime. Like, they're still telling everyone, like, don't, like it's actually illegal, you know? Like, they're still explaining what they are. And there's a moment in this episode, actually, when Stabler, he says something, he says, like, um, 
one of the cops calls him like the political re- correctness unit and he's yes, like yes, yes. yeah and he was like this is a crime with obvious sexual overtones and <laughs> it's just like you don't get that as the series progressives because they're just like yeah a naked woman was found like we should investigate that with a certain like sensitivity i, I, I definitely <laughs> sets that in the first two episodes that i it's just here, this is one of those things where because this show had to do something that most shows don't have to do right and and i mean you've watched many television shows obviously like you know, your first two episodes are your pilot's your pilot where you're setting everything up. And then your second episode basically has to repilot everything all over again and be like, this is what the show is. Um, and this show has to do that not on the sort of the nuts and bolts of, of cops. It has to do it in terms of the specificity of the crimes that they're yeah. that they're going to be solving. Um, so there is a lot of clunky like... <laughs> Uh, she clearly was raped and this guy being like, well, it wasn't like she was, did you see what she was wearing? Like shit like that, where you're just like, what are we doing? But it's, it's necessary up top. Um, Do you feel like you have a favorite episode or a favorite season or a favorite arc? Season wise, like seasons four through six are really Mm -hmm. tight. Um, Cause that's, that's when, it's a, it's a mix the crimes because it's like okay also what's interesting is that there's only one manhattan svu there's one okay. they have no open cases that's part of their thing even corgan mentions it um of like we don't have a backlog and it's like well that's crazy you're handling every rape in this borough that's <laughs> insane <laughs> so they're very hard workers um uh, and you get to see that but you see i mean some of the crimes are really dark and then that's also when they start getting into reimagining real life crimes that have happened um that can be very fun because they go they start off so on the nose of what the real crime was and then they go off into just like wow i did not see that coming and in in i'll give you an example and this is not in season six this is later in their Casey Anthony episode, uh, they're not Casey Anthony episode, um, as Casey Anthony is played by Hillary Duff, which is incredible. And it starts wow. off very similar to the Casey Anthony case. And then it goes off and it turns into, um, an anti, about anti-vaxxers. Um, so they got Didn't two, yeah, they got two kind of hard hitters in the same episode. So there are things like that where it's just like, that's insane. Like who writes an episode that goes that far off the rails and it's fascinating to watch because there's just no, there's no way you could have figured that crime out. Like, Oh, she has measles. Like what? <laughs> I don't know. I find it very interesting. No, no. I, I think, you're, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is incredibly interesting in terms of how it is, what it must be like to write episodes of this show. Like I'm watching these episodes and thinking to myself, you know, procedural television for all intents and purposes is, I don't want to say easier to write, but intrinsically there is something you're working from a procedure. You're working from a structure, right? So you're working from something which in and of itself is already a gift. But what this show has to do is have so many kind of twists and turns, unlike law and order, the original show where you really, your, your case essentially really only had to have only a certain amount of twists within the first half and a certain amount in the second half. This has to have twists throughout the entire thing. 
And sometimes it can work to your benefit, to your point, which is you can blind, you can go down blind alleys, you can do all kinds of twists and turns, you can, and that's the fun of this show. Right. I don't necessarily think that the episode that we specifically watched had the best twists and turns. No, it didn't. <laughs> but I'm going to give a synopsis very quickly of this episode for, for our listeners. It's this a is epi- solid episode and yeah. pretty, and pretty, um, pretty subversive for 99. Yes. Yeah. 100%, for sure. Uh, we'll talk about the pros and cons of this episode in a second, but the synopsis, um, when the body of Gretchen Quinn is found wearing only a red slip after having been thrown at a window, Benson and Stabler soon find out that quote-unquote Gretchen Quinn was just an alias. While trying to piece together her life, the detectives are led to the victim psychiatrist and a well-known television newscaster, both of whom were sleeping with her. It soon comes to life that she was a, that she was a young woman who changed her name and identity after graduating high school to get away from her sexually abusive father. Mm-hmm. This episode also has a special appearance by Angie Harmon playing ADA Abby Carmichael from right. the original Law and Order show. Uh, this episode is titled A Single Life. It aired on September 27th, 1999. It was written by Miriam Kazdan and directed by Leslie Lincoln Gladder. Um, the show premiered on September 20th, 1999 as the second season, uh, sorry, the second series in Wolf's successful Law and Order franchise. After the premiere of its 21st season in September 2019, the series became the longest running primetime U.S. live action series in the history of television. As of December 3rd, 2020, Law and Order Special Victims Unit has aired 481 original episodes, surpassing the episode count of the original Law and Order series. In terms of all-time episode count for a primetime scripted series, SVU now ranks fourth behind The Simpsons, Gunsmoke, and Lassie. Wow. Yeah. Uh, on February 20th, uh, on February 2020, the series was renewed for its 22nd, 23rd, and 24th seasons. Yeah. The series has received 91 award nominations, winning 33 awards. Which ones? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Mariska Haggerty was the first regular cast member of any Law & Order series to win an Emmy Award. She won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series in 2006. Yep. It's quite the like... That falls into my favorite seasons category. It does. falls she right in that doing- bracket. She was doing that was fantastic work. That's where I'm gonna. That's where I'm sending you. <laughs> send me. I, I'm. I'm being completely honest. I want. I want you to send me to a season of this show that's at its peak because okay. I. I. I do want to sort of. I mean, obviously, for for this podcast, we needed to focus on 99, and I understand why we did, and I and I see the the, the pros and the cons of that, and we'll you know, we'll talk about that, um, but. I would love to see this show at the peak of its powers. Like when this show is just like fully clicking and everybody's doing their best work. Yeah. You're, you're going to point me in that direction. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this, this episode of single okay. life. Um, woman's been raped. She's been thrown or jumped out a window. Right. Can I say um, why I chose this episode? Please, please. Yes. So <laughs> 1999 was the first half of the first season. I didn't want to choose the pilot because that's too easy. It's not representative of what the show becomes. I ultimately chose this because of all the different like lanes. Like you think it's this TV anchor. You think it's maybe the therapist. And then it turns out to be the dad, which typically over the series, TV anchors, therapists, and uh, fathers are like, do not trust those fuckers. (laughs) When they show up on Law and Order SVU, one of them did it. <laughs> so let me get this straight. The media, psychiatry, 
and fathers yeah. this show has trust issues with. Yeah, it's actually, I didn't realize it until last night when I was thinking about, like, they're really pointing the finger hard at this therapist when I realized, like, they always point the finger super hard at the therapist. <laughs> like, the therapist just know. I mean, not in this case, he was a really bad guy in this episode, but typically the therapist just, like, knows what they know because they're their therapist and they're like trying to legally say what they can and it's just they're so rude to them of like we know you have your ethics or whatever (laughs) it does make you wonder if like cops and therapists really hate each other as much as they seem to on this show i know i know it's really i mean if that doesn't we can really dive into kind of that dynamic and what that speaks to in our criminal justice system. And also just like the power dynamics that exist within both of those occupations are not great for all sorts of people, mostly people that are diverse or women don't seem to uh, do so well when it comes to the police. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Um, That's why I chose it because it was like, oh, you're going to get like the just trifecta of, of suspects. And it's also like sexy. Like you got this TV anchor, then you got this New York therapist and then like her dad you gotta get some some incest if you're gonna just be watching one episode yeah that I, i'll say that the 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 nadir of this episode is definitely the interrogation room scene between the father and the daughter yeah or the sister i guess is maybe the, uh and this brings me to sort of i want to i want a sort of a broader question to you as a, as a law and order svu fan um Law and Order is known for being a show that if you're an actor who lives in New York, you've probably done a a stint on yeah. a my, Law and Order. My college dorm, uh, it instead of saying like Barnard out in front, it just had a sign that said college residence. And so SVU shot in front of my building all the time because it just said like generic college residence. <laughs> Perfect. Like, great i'm glad we're finding bodies like all over my screen it just it feels like the the people that have like one or two scenes in an episode of law and order it's like they know this is going on they're real yeah yeah yeah. i love it like the waiter the gay waiter in this episode it's just like chill <laughs> it's like it doesn't need to be at 11 you really could be at a seven but that's it's also what's great about these people that are only on one of my favorite things about law and order and i think it goes across the franchise is universally when people are being interviewed by the cops they are they like go about their business they're annoyed that the cops are talking yeah. to them and it's just like if someone came to my place of work and was asking me about a murder, I would like not keep arranging flowers or like carrying boxes from the truck. Like I would stop yeah. for two seconds. <laughs> you can't act without a prop. <laughs> well, there's also, I mean, as someone who, who you know, obviously works in television, uh, if I, I tell you, busy work. You gotta I know, I know. You got to keep gotta be doing something. It sucks, but it's like, that. it's, it's so annoying. Bizarre. Like, why are you irritated that these officers have come here? I know. All this brutal crime. Or, <laughs> like, why are you this excited? Right, right. Like the waiter who was so jazzed. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. it's kind of. And it feels like there are kind of like there are levels of law and order actor. And by that, I mean, like, you'll have a person like if you're um, 
What's like if you're uh, a suspect, you're probably right. of a higher quote unquote higher tier of actor than and if it's you're a bummer later in later seasons when you see a famous person appear yes. on screen, you're like, well, you did it. You, did it. Yeah. you need to have your monologue. <laughs> the end. There was, there was a time, I don't know when it was because time is all relative right now. Yeah. Where we, but, but I remember that my roommate and I would watch, we watched like a batch of lawn orders. It was just like a fun thing to do. And it was, you know, they're always on and Amanda Pete showed up in one. And I was like, well, yeah. she did it obviously. <laughs> Right. So it's like, it's a band of obviously, and she was. And it was Amanda Pete. I know. Sometimes they slip it right out from under you at the very end, and it like wasn't them somehow. Yeah, you're like interesting. <laughs> yeah, but that's like the only twist. It like either was them or it almost was. Can I also say, what do you think this episode is saying? So our victim, um, mm-hmm. the victim of this episode, was like a magazine writer, sort of like a pseudo kind of almost columnist, right? You know what I mean? Like she was like. I, she'd be writing for Vulture now, I guess, is sort of the impression that I get. Yeah. Um, they don't, but but like, they're kind of looking down their nose at it a 100%. little bit. Because I think they think that like, they. I mean, they're a little sexist themselves at times yeah. of like, oh, this sexy lady is a writer. Okay. Um, and yeah. they really have a hard time <laughs> when it turns out she really was just a writer. <laughs> And they wasted all this time being like, no, she's a whore. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's also, I mean, I have logistical questions about, so broad strokes, essentially what happens is she, uh, she kills herself mm-hmm. to it's essentially at the men in her life. Right. So she sacrificed an investigation would take police to these men. Right. But like, she throws herself out her own window. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it. after, listen, after uh, 21 seasons, I can tell you, people throw themselves out of windows sometimes. Uh, it's a major bummer. Um, what I find interesting is that whenever it's a, a pretty woman who has thrown herself out of a, w- a window, the cops feel no need to cover her body. They're like, she's good. Like, let's just leave her on top of the car totally exposed which also happened in this episode actually (laughs) it's a like just a rule if it is a man who has jumped out of a window they cover the body and it's like really sacrosanct if it's a woman it's like come on come on over guys (laughs) yeah um can i just say that uh i think that the reason why in 20 some odd seasons of this show People throw themselves out windows. Uh, it's uh, red herring, so that you think that someone threw them out of threw them out of rather window. than doing well, it themselves. Because I don't did. think people would do it themselves. Yeah, she. That's fair. <laughs> that's that's fair. Point. You kind of step out of a window. You yourself. go out to the patio. You, you take a second. Blow yourself. That is a very fair point that I, me, and, and also like, not, I did not pick up on. <laughs> not to get into logistics here, but. The run she would have to take to get through the window over the balcony. I mean. But she was trying to set these guys up. She knew what she was doing. She left the wine glasses. She, you know. The condom. The condom and the actual suicide note, um, which right at the last minute just. (laughs) Good writing. So the sister in this interrogation room is talking with their dad. And kind of has him by the balls. And then she mm. pulls out this letter that her sister mailed before she died. That's her own obituary that she's written. And it's like, 
how long? You've been in New York for three days. You were supposed to fly home and Olivia made you stay. When were you going to tell people about this? (laughs) Yeah, the sister, what are you doing? Like, I get, like, this is a great scene. No notes. But (laughs) when did you get that letter? (laughs) Yeah, when did you get that? When did you get literally the final piece of the puzzle that That you refused? That would have saved everyone a ton of time and money. Um, (laughs) So, question for you. Yes. Can we talk about Dean Winters for a second? Which one's Dean Winters? Oh, no. Uh, What's his name? God damn it. Hold on a second. Is it uh, Alice Warner? Um, it's the guy who plays Munch's um, partner. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hold on. I, I feel terrible. I don't know their real name. No, but this is just amazing that like that, that we're doing this literally on the floor. Oh, oh, Cassidy. Yeah. yeah Cassidy. Yeah. 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 Dean Winters is known throughout entertainment as playing the bad cop in pretty much any show that and you he have was on before. Oz. And and he was on Oz. Mm-hmm. I believe he was on Oz, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was and anyway. My my the reason I bring him up is because I, all I think of is 30 I'm so excited to talk about him. Yeah. I, I can't see him as anything other than the 30 Rock guy. Oh, I can't see him any as anything other than Cassidy, this character. That's why I didn't right. know his name. <laughs> my, my apologies for not knowing his name. Um, and for our <laughs> listeners for listening to us figure it out. But I, I, I guess my question is, he's walking a fine line, and I get that, like, it works both ways, which is why it's great, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he can play this, this role in 30 Rock, and it's funny, mm-hmm. and then play it here, and it's straight. Right. But He also plays that in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, he plays right. this vibe in everything. Right. So, I guess my question is, this vibe <laughs> is slightly dopey cop? Is that basically the vibe? It's, I'm really glad you brought this up, actually. Great. <laughs> because Cassidy... <laughs> Cassie fulfills a really important role in the unit that is ultimately taken over by Finn Tutuola, which is the man who is not a new detective, um, who's in the unit and is blown away by, <laughs> like, 
is just totally uncomfortable and unknowledgeable about anything, any crime that might actually happen in special victims. Like this guy didn't know what necrophilia was. And he was like, couldn't get through like talking about like ejaculation on the subway. And it's like, what do you do all day in the special victims unit? If you can't not giggle when talking about an erect penis, like Cassidy, pull together. And eventually Finn Tutuola, as played by Ice-T, takes on that role in the unit, um, which is hysterical as he goes on to be in the unit for 20 years and has to rise the ranks. So now he's like a lieutenant who's like, what? Someone was raped? (laughs) Would you say that these that these characters play sort of conduits for the audience, right? Like they're kind of. Yeah, it's so that you can kind of understand what's going on. And Cassidy leaves the show and then comes back years later and he and Olivia have a little really really yeah yeah it's tricky she he's with her during one of the kidnappings and she can't open up about it and that's what I I, honestly this kidnapping is just it's it's my new favorite thing I know I I had no idea that Olivia Benson was kidnapped twice twice. same person (laughs) by Pablo Schreiber Who's super hot? Uh, it's so great. It's so great. I love I it. Um, so let's, this is a good opportunity to talk about uh, Munch for a second because mm-hmm. um, this was a weird thing. And I, I think, I don't know if this has ever happened since or ever before. Yeah. Uh, shortly after the cancellation of Homicide Life on the Street, Richard Belzer, who plays Munch, that's his real name, just so you know. Um, <laughs> Heard that Benjamin Bratt was leaving Law & Order. He went to his manager and said, can you call Dick Wolf? I want to be on Law & Order. Maybe my character can be the new partner to whatever. I love this. I'll be the new Benjamin Bratt. Which is hilarious and and amazing. (laughs) Um, But at that point, they had hired, um, oh my God, what's the guy's name? Jesse L. Martin Mm -hmm. had been hired on Law & Order. Long story short, they figured out, well, why don't we bring Munch onto SVU? That literal character, not this actor. This literal character from a different television series in a different city. They were just like, so like, we're just led to believe that this New York and this Baltimore exist in the same plane of existence. That like, yeah. so and there's no crossover ever. There's none. Yeah, like he never goes and like visits visits his own his he old. Never goes back to Baltimore. Never. So the character of Bunch was inspired by David Simon's depiction of a detective, which was developed on Homicide, which was created by Tom Fontana and Barry Levinson. Is that legal to just take a character out of the movie? Well, this is why it's interesting. So oh, okay. the only way they could do it was to have consent from David Simon, Tom Fontana, and Barry Levinson. The appropriate agreements were reached, and while Fontana okay. and Levinson agreed to waive their royalty rights, contracts where Simon were required, and he had to be paid royalties for any new show in which Munch is a main character, and as a result, Simon gets royalties for every episode that Munch is in. Now, here's what's also Sick. crazy. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's smart, and whoever David Simon's agent yeah. is was smart, but it also means that David Simon gets money for The X Files, Arrested Development, The Wire, 30 Rock, and Kimmy Schmidt, all of which Munch appears on as Munch. Munch? What? Yes. I, had, I did not know that. What? So My, we're now let to believe that all of these shows exist in the same fucking universe because this guy's in all of them. I it's like the princess switch. I I will say Munch is a really 
a bizarre like <laughs> he's not the one that I would be like this character should everything. Like he's just a conspiracy theorist and like has a bunch of ex-wives and like that's his character. Like he doesn't trust the government, which I guess I mean that played out. That's very timely now. But um I would go to the live and say that's Richard Belzer. Yeah, like I, I don't actually like Richard exactly. Belzer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So but it's just like what a, what a gig! What a role that he stumbles into. Right. Where basically he's like, "I'll just be me, but I'll be a cop, I guess." Yeah, yeah, basically, and everyone will just love it, and I'll work like one day a week. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So I I, I want to kind of um, as we as we sort of wrap this up, I want to kind of focus on Olivia for a second here, and just really kind of there's no way that we can <laughs> in a reasonable amount of time be able to talk about Olivia Benson yeah. uh, her, her journey over 481 episodes but I kind of want to just sort of I guess my question is what is it about her that you love so much mm-hmm. like what what about this character is because you're not alone like this is this is a character Taylor Swift aside this is a character that I feel like People fucking love, right? I mean, they've, they've, the show continues. I mean, to this day, I'm just going to pull up its ratings for a quick second here just so you have a sense of what I'm talking about. I mean, this show right now, okay, is, I'm just, bear with me one second here. Okay. So when it was at its, um, when it was at its peak, at its highest ratings, the show was getting over 15 million viewers per week, which is pretty when, insane. When was that? Was that like 2006? You don't know. No, it was uh, 2001, 2002. Oh, okay, okay. So that's that. That th- this show is at its height between basically seasons. Let's just say seasons two through. I mean, this is a, insane, but ten. Okay, I would say that basically. No, those are the best ones. Those are two through ten are that, great. That's when the show is getting over 10 million viewers every week, which is you know obviously today people will be like that's whatever. That's insane to a certain degree. Um, So there's that. The show is still, okay, we're now in season 21. The show's still getting seven, eight million viewers, right? So like it's not, it has not taken that much of a hit over its, over its time. I think that's Olivia Benson. I mean, I I just, I, that and and the, and the crimes obviously to some degree. So what is it about this character that you think is so, compelling or or what is it about her that you love so much i've never had to verbalize it so it might, it might come up uh, come out as a jumble but i i think um part of what brings people back is just like the comfort of the procedural like i know the opening credits and like it's going to be a crime and that's fun and like the setup is fun kind of sexy definitely part of what brings people back is olivia benson and mariska hargitay um and just by the way, now she has just an incredible setup wherein she's an EP, so make it bank. She can direct any episode she wants throughout the season. And she's working based on like my estimations on how many scenes she's in. It's like one to two days a week. Like she is killing it. <laughs> well, her and Ellen Pompeo have like, yeah, they've yeah, got the deals in television. Yeah, it's great. Only Olivia, I think, I don't think she has the same deal where she, I think she can go beyond other stuff. But she doesn't because, which is the other thing I think is a big draw to Mariska, her, she's really dedicated her life to like fighting domestic abuse, bringing attention um, to rape crises and and um, like crimes against women 
and like non-cis men. And that's like for over 20 years, she's been really at the forefront of like raising money and raising awareness. And she's kind of like made that part of who she is as a person. And I think that's maybe given some authenticity to the show. I don't know that people come to the show looking for authenticity. Um, But there's just something about her where it's like, okay, you really dedicated your life to this show. And it's like the show itself, now that I've seen it all, I mean, the whole thing is really just like her arc of her story of going from this like very young, relatively new detective who wasn't unsure, was very confident in herself and her skills, but is the only like woman in the unit and all of this stuff. So eventually like now she's the Lieutenant and kind of oversees everything. And she has a son and you see her kind of build this whole life for herself. And, I mean, that's nice. I, I, I don't know. There's just something about her where like, she cares about the, she cares about the victim. <laughs> like she was, she was the one who was like saying me too before everyone else was, you know? Um, and I think that's nice. And there's also just a certain like kitsch and nostalgia to a lot of the show that's entertaining and, and she's fun and part of that. But yeah, I think Mariska has a certain, Je ne sais quoi about her. She, she absolutely does. I mean, there is something very, you know, I, 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 I might not be articulating this well either, since I don't know the, the, the show as well as you or the role that well, but Mariska has this, um, this intelligence, obviously, this fortitude, obviously, there's a heart to her as well. There's a head to her as well. Like, there just seems to be, she conveys a whole plethora of, of emotions, obviously that are able to um, create sort of the the complexity of this character. I would also say too, I mean, I, I'd be willing to bet that if you asked Mariska about a bunch of things that's happened to her character, she might not remember all of them No way, because she's been in a lot of episodes, Yeah, but the history of that character is still read even in episode two. Right. In the sense that she's built a history for this person and and you and it radiates off of her. And I think that that, that is she's she's you know she's doing amazing work on the show. I don't it, it's it, it's it's one of those things where I've thought about, you know as an actor, when you sign on for a broadcast television show, and I say this specifically for broadcast because it's really not the same for streaming and for cable, right, right. where like you're signing on the dotted line and you know that there's a good chance you're, you're shooting 22 of these for at least four years, most likely perhaps longer than that. And if it is longer than that, getting out of that box and getting anyone to think of you as anyone other than Olivia Benson or uh, Fox Mulder or um, Meredith Grey is very, very hard to do. I get that. And that's a risk that some people are willing to take. What I do love is to see, and you can see it with Ellen Pompeo as well, to a certain yeah, degree. They just embrace I, it. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. They embrace, they embrace like, okay, this is the character I'm going to be remembered for and I'm going to do a good job. I mean, I think that, I don't think there's anything to look down on. Like people are going to like she was on television forever and played this key character. And it's not like her husband plays a reoccurring character in the oh, show. Nice. Yeah. It's like a family. <laughs> but I also think that it comes back to sort of what you were saying as well, which is the power that comes with this, right? Which is, yeah. you know, um, professionally, you can look at what Mariska and, and Ellen have done in terms of breaking barriers and ceilings for what actors, more specifically female actors, uh, 
get paid and can be producers and, and, and the various power that they can have professionally. But then to be able to wield that power in, out in the world in terms of what Mariska's doing for various you know, victims of, of sexual abuse or, or what have you. I mean, that is, I mean, that's, it's pretty cool. That's the whole thing. It's an amazing thing. It really Especially is. Especially considering her character, like Stabler was supposed to be the main character, you know, like he's the one who got all the backstory until he left. And so, you know, that she's, she not only stayed, but kind of took over the show and made it her own. It's pretty, pretty cool. I love Olivia. Yeah. <laughs> and she does this cool thing. I mean, as someone who really does enjoy like a procedural detective story, I sometimes am, have to reckon my own like personal politics with the criminal justice system with like what I'm watching on television and Olivia Benson as a character she's like all about the victim and the survivor and she like will manipulate the law in ways that expose her to do what she feels is right and I think that that's really cool you know yeah I mean I think that I mean this when you're dealing with sexually based crimes, the perpetrator is also a victim themselves in some way. Sure. Um, and she's very cognizant of that. Well, you know, I think it's interesting too, and I, I you know, not not to get too political, but I, I think it, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, police shows right now are in a tricky space, um, understandably so. I mean, I think that there yeah. are, you know, it, it, the, the depiction of police officers as, um, you know, having tunnel vision or being biased in a, in a myriad of ways, I think is, is problematic. Um, and I think that they go out of their way. It seems at least with this character to make her seem, um, if not more open-minded, certainly someone who is, um, is able to have her, her mind changed is that she's totally. an evolving, an evolving animal. Right. Um, and I think that that's an incredibly important thing that I think a lot of these procedural shows are so locked and loaded, no pun intended, in terms of these characters being so rigid in their in their worldview. And yeah. I think that, you know, she's not one of them, which I think is also a... a yeah, a and the show itself, I think, got lucky in that, like, yes, they're cops, but they're, like, the sex crimes cops, so they're, like, woke. <laughs> yeah, you would hope. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> but then so, you have Cassidy being, like, I have to say penis in a court of law? You know? Yeah, like, is it is? I think it's in the second episode where he says fromage on the stand. <laughs> and he means necrophilia, <laughs> which is like, not only are you a detective in the sex crimes unit, you're also an adult man. <laughs> <laughs> you're a grown-up. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you look like an idiot. I know, but he is the like window for the audience into like explaining what it is. But it's just hysterical to me. Of like, this like makes no sense. Like, <laughs> you're a detective. That me, <laughs> and you were the detective on this case. Oh, not like you so just good. yesterday. Anyway, I could really go off on that. No, I. So here's another question for you. Yeah. Um. So when does Stabler leave? He leaves in season twelve. Um. Kind of suddenly. Um, after the season finale, uh, it's, do you want me to tell, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I can tell you what happened. Um, he, there, there's this whole no. part episode, um, da, da, da. Anyway, so he ultimately has to, this 13 year old girl, her mother has died. She's come to the police precinct. She's bought a gun off the street and she shoots 
um, the her mom's killer who's in a holding cell and uh, Stabler is forced to shoot and kill her like in the precinct. And um, the next season in the first episode, uh, they just kind of say, you know, that was too much for him. He had to leave. He couldn't handle shooting a little girl, which I get. But also I've watched him for 12 years do like all kinds of crazy shit that I wouldn't say is like better or worse than shooting a 13 year old girl. And he had like crazy anger issues throughout the series. So like, why is, I don't know. It felt like an easy excuse, but he's coming back. It was a contractual thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I heard that, yeah, they, they couldn't, they couldn't get him to sign up for the show anymore. And he was asking for too much money. So well, they were like, betting, like they really had to write his like anger issues into the show. He was like having a personal issue. I, I suspect. Um, ah. And, and Mariska stepped the fuck up. Um, she's great. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so he, I get so this is you said season twelve is that when he leaves? Yeah, if you can believe it, I can't believe how long ago it was. Now it feels like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean for everybody, I assume. Um, but <laughs> so he leaves in season twelve. Yeah. Um, now he has his own show. Now he has like a new show. I, I don't know what that show's called. Bullshit. Um, I hate that. I, mean, I shouldn't say that. But I think it's a bummer. Sabler had a show. It was called Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And he left. He doesn't mm-hmm. get a new show. He can come back to Mariska's department, but he can't go be another whole thing. Like, what, we need another Catholic detective on the streets, like, solving crimes? Like, give me a break, Stabler. It's, it's for, for those that are excited, it's called Law and Order Organized Crime. So it'll be just Stabler versus mobsters, I guess. Um, and uh, I believe that. he's good up against organized crime. I will say. <laughs> I'm just like, I love no. you're like you know. Fuck, that's probably that's that's a good that's a good unit for him to be that's in. A good unit for sure. <laughs> I'm just bummed. Like, if you're gonna come be in Law and Order, come be in Law and Order. Don't do this. <laughs> so Olivia is going to be in the first. I would one, like to like meet him and hang. I listen. I follow him on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, and he was he, supposed he to very nice. the damn coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. he's really nice. <laughs> I, I think I hold a lot of what his character did against him. Yeah, I was gonna say you um, have a little bit but, of a tough time drawing a line between fact and fiction. <laughs> I do. I've watched this show alone in my apartment for like months and months. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but uh, yeah, I would like. I hope he doesn't hear this because I really would like to. To, um, to I mean, I hope he does listen. To, I don't know. I, I, imagine that. I support him in all he does. I just feel like he could support Mariska. Well, yeah. I mean, my my assumption is that these two shows are going to cross oh, over yeah. and speak to each other a fair amount, <laughs> if for no other reason than. Than to help this spinoff do well in the ratings, yeah. so I, I'm assuming that you that don't that will need happen. other on orders. I'm sorry, you just need this one special victim because well, also it's not yeah. all rapes. A ton of it's special victims, which is a really big umbrella. So it's not like you're just solving you know rapes and murders all the time. There are all kinds of stuff going on. Everything. So hold on, I it's, you brought it up. So I, I want to kind of th- see the different spinoffs that exist. Yeah. Um, for Law and Order, because I don't know all of them. 
Um, bear with me a second here okay. as I as I look this up. Um, I've never seen any of them. Uh, okay, so there's Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Law and Order Criminal Intent, Law and Order UK, okay. Law and Order LA, no. Law and Order Trial by Jury, what? Law and Order. Yeah, <laughs> aren't they all trials by jury? I mean, listen. Uh, then there's Law and Order True Crime. They tried to basically do. Um, they tried to do American Crime Story, but for, with the Menendez trial, but that no one watched uh, it. Yeah. Uh, so there was that, uh, and then Hate Crimes. There's a there's a Hate Crimes one that I guess you know what? all of those fall under the the Menendez brothers could have been a great two parter SVU episode. Hate Crimes they deal with all the time on SVU. Like they're just trying. They're just picking apart. That's stupid. I'm really down on any <laughs> non-SVU Law & Order things. Well, the best part is that um, you've never seen the original Law & Order. No. So as far as you're concerned, there should be only one spinoff, which is the only one you've watched. Mariska so is I... not in the original, correct? <laughs> Who? Mariska is not in the original, correct? She's not, correct? She's not so, no. No. No need to SVP. I really do like her, which I didn't fully realize until this conversation. Like, it's dumb. The show is very kitschy and silly. Yeah. And keep, like their first episode this season, which I cannot believe I'm finally watching it like in real time, week to week. Like, that's got to Is it started cool. airing? Yeah. It's a oh, new wow. level of like depression, but whatever. Um, <laughs> their first episode is literally yeah. about Karens and opens with like the the Amy Cooper footage in Central Park of that woman who tried yelling at the guy. Um, So it's just like, it's ridiculous. Like that's ridiculous to do that. (laughs) But I I really get, I really enjoy it. And I get all the characters now and what they're up to. um, And there are new, you know, hijinks happening. I don't know. This is just the thing that I have in my life. No, I mean you're you're not alone. I think that so okay. This this is another question I have. This is specific, I guess, to SVU, but I guess this is a law and order question across the board. Which is, do you feel like the ripped from the headlines episodes are as strong as the just made up ones? <laughs> what is strong? Like that Casey Anthony episode is lit. Like it is so good. <laughs> but it is. I mean, ridic- Like it's just ridiculous. And then, Did like, they do an Amanda Knox episode? They must have, right? No. <gasps> I don't think they ever did an Amanda. Well, the Italian authorities would have handled that. They do do a lot of um, roommate murders. They love prep schools. They're always going to their fake Columbia. Um, so they have had versions of it. I don't know if they've done one specific. Because before the ep- they never say inspired mm-hmm. by it. They say, legally, this is not based on anything. And when that comes up at the beginning of the episode, you know. This is going to be good. <laughs> you know this is based on a real thing, but that they are so covering their ass. So I guess the headlines ones. So you like the rip from this. So the, the Karen episode, for When instance. they don't put it, it means that it's just from the writer's room. That's not right. from anything. So the Karen episode. Yeah. Did you feel as though it did justice to this story? It was actually a lot going on because it was their first episode back uh, from COVID. So they, everyone has to explain COVID and they're wearing masks and stuff, which is funny. Everyone's always like mask up. It's like, okay, we're really living in this. <laughs> and, um, um, but all whatever it takes, Jesus, it, get was people first, to wear masks. it was the first episode back after the black lives matter 
uh, protests. And so Olivia had some reckoning to do. And it's very clean. She's like reckons and is done. And the next episode, she's done reckoning. Um, <laughs> but they had that and the Karens and, and the COVID. It was like so much for just 44 minutes. Um, <laughs> the episode. It's hard to explain. I honestly can't. To return to your original question, I don't know that I could say if I prefer ripped from the headlines to not ripped from the headlines. Some of the ripped from the headlines are just glorious in ridiculous ways. Uh The ones that come from the writer's room are sometimes just like more interesting in terms of the crime. Like you got a few more interesting twists and turns. So it's just like, do you want camp or do you want to like really solve some gritty crimes in Manhattan? <laughs> I mean, that, you got to ask yourself that question every time. Every you time you watch you, right? Order. Yeah, you have to. Um, do you have any favorite episode titles? Because I am looking at some real doozies here. I, they are. I oh, that sucks. I don't. I don't. But the oh um, one of my favorite books, Her Body and Other Parties. One, it's um one of the chapters is. Uh-huh. It's just a list of um, SVU log lines. Like that's oh, the chapter so is all the log lines after another. And it's like haunting. <laughs> um, but no, I don't have a favorite. I don't I, have a favorite. I mean, a lot of them are, a lot of them are, are a lot of them are one word. As I mean, you know, ripped, the, strained, exactly. that kind of stuff. Totem, I um, really recommend. Totem is just a crazy episode when someone has a uh, listen when someone has an adopted kid in this show you need to really keep your eyes open yes yes, <laughs> yes. that adopted kid is either stolen like, <laughs> or a previous kid don't trust don't trust adopters is what is what svu really drives home but totem is a really great episode the one words are helpful because um they apply, like, I remember Totem. Uh, what are, Can I just say, though? Another great one. Zebras is a really good episode. Here, they, They're mostly one word yeah. until... Well, they run until, out of words. <laughs> well, until season 14, when they start to get real poetic, um, Manhattan uh, Vigil, um, mm. Dreams Deferred, Monster's Legacy, uh, Poisoned Motive... Oh, that shit! That was that was a really crazy episode. I really remember <laughs> these. Could you Oct- October surprise. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Surrender Benson. I don't know. Uh, comic perversion. That's when. That's one of her kidnappers. Surrender Benson. <laughs> I just it's spring awakening. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're they're really they're really good. Yeah. Some of them are just. Uh, I just I don't know. I, I I enjoy I enjoy the titles of, of episodes in general. I just find them really fun. It's funny um, to think like I would love to go back to like October Surprise. Like I, I like after you watch the episodes, there's sometimes an obvious connection between title and episode, but sometimes it's like, what? And you feel like you missed something. And so like I'd be curious to watch some of those and like, where did that title come from? Because sometimes they have a real moral at the center mm-hmm. of the story and that's where the title comes from and if you miss it you miss the title do you know what would be a fun game to do I, and we should I'm not, I'm not suggesting we do this right now but to um to imagine what the episode's about just based on the title yeah 
So like there's one here called She Paints for Vengeance. Oh, I actually know that episode. Painters are another really intense <laughs> on SVU. They have a ton of they're either murdered or they have a ton of just anger that they're splashing up the canvas. So what is she paints for vengeance about? All of them. Do you what was she paints for vengeance about? What'd you say? Uh, she paints for vengeance. Do you remember what that episode Uh was actually about? If I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a painter who is exposing her former uh, abusers via her work. So she's going around like painting. Um, I think she's painting like posters and stuff around town. Um, um, can I read? Can I read you the logline? Am I wrong? Go say. I it. I, 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 I'm just going to read it. I don't know if okay, you're right go. or wrong. Uh, the special victims unit investigate the sexual assault of a stripper. I mean, that could be any episode. Okay. Uh, the stripper Monica Russo is angry due to her case being dismissed by a detective who believed the case wasn't important because she was a stripper, which makes her difficult to work with. When trial comes. Uh, Carisi deals with the rapist's attorney, former judge Elena Barth, who is tough and harsh in the courtroom. Meanwhile, Rollins struggles to get over the trauma from her ordeal with Bucci. Okay, those that's a horrifically written. Wow. Yeah, I didn't write it. I, I didn't write it. That's Wikipedia. <laughs> Not great. Yeah, so that episode sometimes people don't report you're when you have a rape that you report to a local precinct they're supposed to refer you straight to Manhattan SBU yeah. a lot of times those precincts don't <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. of times those precincts don't do it um and they are dismissive of rape cases and then they're not handled so what happens is all the detectives are going along and now they're seeing all these billboards that are calling them out for not helping um this girl because she went to the precinct and the precinct didn't refer her which is I see. You know, she's like upset that no one helped her and her rapist went free. And so she's painting these billboards. That's making the cops not look very good. Um, That was also, they did a bunch of like Me Too uh, episodes. And I believe that was in there. I see. Is that interesting? (laughs) No, uh, it is. Here's what I love. And and I've done this too. And I don't know if this is, I do this with ER, which is like, there are times where I'm like, oh, I understand medicine. I've watched I've watched all the episodes of ER. Um, I get the impression that you think you know how the SV unit SVU unit works. I I know how I know how it works as it's been explained on the show. I don't know in real life. (laughs) That's that's what. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Amazing. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for coming on to talk with us, us, me, about um, <laughs> SVU, because quite frankly, I knew nothing about it. It's and, a really great uh, time you watch it. If for nothing else, there, it, it, there are a million episodes, and I was shocked when I finished it, and who it was like, there's no more. <laughs> you were like, wait, what? Like, I'm done? How? <laughs> I mean, you could always go and watch another Law & Order. No, because they're not on Hulu. That's what I'm telling you. They're not free on Hulu. Only SVU is. I'm not going to pay like... The desperation <laughs> in your voice is, is amazing. I'm not going to pay $1.99 an episode for Law & Order when it's not going to be as good. I think, the, I think the first one's free on Peacock. Oh. 
do I have to sign up for Peacock? Well, we don't have to figure it out. I'll tell you. I mean, it's, 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 I'm just, Peacock is not hard to sign up for is my point. Okay, okay, okay. But, uh, but all that being said, uh, I hope that you'll come back and talk about something else too, whatever that might very well be. This is the only but thing I, that I know about. I don't think that's true. Okay. I I think there could be other things. We'll we'll, we'll find something out. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Either way, um, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. Thank you um, for having and me. For, oh my god, please! Uh, and for talking about Olivia Benson and and all that she in her multitudes. Um, and uh, it this was fantastic. Yeah. So Let you. me know if you need episode recommendations or or if your listeners do. I'm I'm available. I'd love to help anybody on this on this journey. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.